Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Oh my gosh, you are in for such a treat. Today, I interviewed Vicki Claflin, and Vicki has written a book called Shake, Rattle, and Roll With It, Living and Laughing with Parkinson's. And I have to tell you, this has been one of the best times I've had. She is so entertaining. But think about it. Her name is Vicki Claflin. Her name has laugh in it. I hope you enjoy today's interview on Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement, and today I am so excited because I have a famous author on with us. Her name is Vicki Claughlin, and she has been featured on the Michael J. Fox Foundation website, the Huffington Post, Scary Mommy. She's been on a lot of different websites, and the reason is because she has written a book called Shake, Rattle, and Roll With It, Living and Laughing with Parkinson's. And I have to tell you, my, you know, some of you know that my dad has Parkinson's disease. And so I am so excited to hear somebody who has a sense of humor about it. So Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm so excited. So tell me what made you write this book? Well, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's when I turned 50 and my mother was diagnosed when she turned 50, although they say there's not a hereditary issue. I think there is, but that's just me. Um, and I wanted to have, I wanted to help people like I was helping my mom find the funny in something that is very scary and unknown. And I just think laughter is very healing and it's very therapeutic. And if I could get people to laugh at what a goofball I was with Parkinson's, maybe they could laugh at themselves. <laughs> so how long has it been? Well, I'm 59 now, so it's been almost 10 years. Okay, so you've been living with it for a while. Mm -hmm. So you probably heard my intro that my dad has Parkinson's, and he was in, he was diagnosed. I'm not sure exactly, but they said that he probably had it in his fifties, mm -hmm. and they thought that he had it because he was a welder. 
And then this year, my face started doing all these weird things. And so I was diagnosed with a condition called dystonia. And it made my eyes shut and it made my face grimace. And my dad can't open his eyes without using his fingers. And so what do you think the first thought was? Yeah, absolutely. That's when I noticed my tremor. I said, oh my God, it looks just like my mom's. I've got Parkinson's. Oh, so I was freaking out. I'm sure you were too. Mm -hmm. So how did you handle it? I mean, you didn't just have dystonia. I had the tremors and I knew what it was because I'd seen it in my mom for so many years. And basically I went into hibernation. I denied it for two years until I kept saying, no, it's just a workout injury. Um, and finally, even my husband said, honey, we have to go to neurologist. This is probably Parkinson's. And I'm going, no, no. So <laughs> Kicking and screaming. screaming. And he finally just threatened to pack me up and stuff me in the car. And <laughs> so I went to the neurologist to prove to him it was not, in fact, Parkinson's, and I was fine. And she said, oh, goodness, you have Parkinson's. Mm. You know, and people say, well, how did you feel at that moment? Well, like a bus hit me. I mean, it's it, when somebody actually says it and they're standing there in their lab coat, it's like, oh, my God, I actually have this disease. So we were a bit shell-shocked for a couple of weeks. And then I started looking for the funny because that's what I do. And, and so, you know, the book became born a couple of years later. Now, were you a comedian before this happened or? No, I've been a humor, a humor writer and humor speaker for many, many years. And it just tends to be the way I look at things. So I started, it was almost like it started as a journal, maybe someday for my grandkids to read that was your grandma wrote in her own hand type of thing. And it just, you know, then I met up with an agent, short story. I met up with an agent who read my journal and said, there's a book in here. I said, wow. oh God, okay. <laughs> Had you now you were a writer anyway? Yes, but I was not I was never published. I, well, I had a newspaper column for 3 years, but and not certainly not on that subject. A lot of these stories were really private to me. So what did you think when they I thought, said, well, we're going to read it. <laughs> they're going to lay your your whole soul open to everybody to see. That must have been Well, we started with the blog. I had already started a blog on midlife women's humor because I was obviously 50 plus. And so I started a blog called Laugh Lines. And she said, why don't you just sort of assimilate this into your blog? I thought, okay. And so I waited another year or so because I live in a really small town and I wasn't ready to kind of come out yet and have everybody look at me like, oh, she has Parkinson's. And it's like every sentence they say about you, oh, she's really pretty. She has Parkinson's. Oh, I like her car. (laughs) She has Parkinson's. And I didn't want to be that girl. So I didn't tell anybody. And my husband was banished from ever saying anything about it. And then one day I just decided to do it. And that's my first chapter was called Today I Came Out on My Blog. And no, it's not what you think. And, so, <laughs> and I tell the story, you know, and gosh, the reaction, people just went nuts. I got flooded with emails and people were sending me snail mail and just an answering on my blog saying, oh, my gosh, my mom or my dad or I or my husband or, you know, has Parkinson's and we were busting a gut. And I said, well, okay. So I kind of slowly rolled it out over the next couple of years. And then when I had enough material, Catherine called me back and said, there's your book. Pull all those and let's repurpose them and make a book. That's fantastic. So we did. (laughs) So before the show, you and I were talking about this email that you got from a woman who was talking about her mother being diagnosed. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, that was the first email that I got. And I framed that one because it was so moving to me. It was the first response I received other than my friends on Facebook saying, oh, my gosh, sorry, because I, I didn't know her. 
So she sent me this email mm-hmm. and she said, my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's like 10 years ago or whatever it was. And she had forbidden anybody in her family to even mention the word. She was so terrified that she, they, they were not allowed to acknowledge it in any way. I mean, even when they, she stumbled and fell or, or she had a really mm-hmm. bad tremor that day, nobody was allowed to mention the P word in the house. So wow. they were all walking on eggshells around her and couldn't, you know, she took herself to the doctor and it was just, it was an off limits rule and it created a lot of stress for the family because they wanted to love her and care for her, but she didn't want them to think she had Parkinson's. So she <laughs> bought, the the daughter bought the, uh, the book and gave it to her mom and she said, I just set it on her nightstand. And she said she read the whole book in one evening and we actually heard her giggling <laughs> and she said the next day she came down to breakfast and just talked about her Parkinson's like it was the weather. And she said, thank oh. you, thank you, thank you. And I just, I'm, it still chokes me up when I think about it. I just thought that was the most beautiful thing. And there were other emails kind of like that, but that story is the first and stays with me. Well, the first one's always the yeah. special one in your heart, right? It's, all, it's up on my wall. And every time I wonder why I'm doing this, I reread that email and think that's why. Well, you know, you touch somebody, you change their life. Mm-hmm. So... That is something that no one can ever take away from you. And especially, you know, when you're a humor writer, you, you, you don't make, even if you're a successful humor writer, you don't necessarily leave a big splash. You know, it's, you don't, humor isn't always life altering. So to be able to combine humor with such a scary subject and have people, have it resonate with people was incredible to me. It was an amazing experience. Mm. Well, I have to tell you, I am... So glad that you are out there writing and doing things. Now, how far has your Parkinson's progressed? Well, it's being actually quite nice now. It's being quite cooperative. I take, you know, the same, interestingly enough, the same pills my mother takes, which tells me they haven't made a lot of strides, but I, <laughs> <laughs> we share pills. But I do think that we are within a whisper. I think they'll probably find, if not a total cure, a, an ability to take symptoms way down in my lifetime for sure. Um, well, don't they have that? Um, it's a surgery. Mm-hmm. They put something in your brain and it stops the tremors. My mother, my mother had that. It's really, really expensive. You have to qualify because they're, you know, they're government funded because it's still in the original stages. So they're only going to take people they know are going to be really successful with it. So you go through months of testing and if they think it's not going to work, they won't do it on you. So, well, you know. they didn't do it on my dad. Yeah. And uh, part of it was it ca- it can cause dementia. Yeah. And my dad's already started going down that path. And, it, you know, my mom had it and she it made a huge difference at the very beginning. It's in the tremors. Yeah. I mean, huge. And then uh, it's been two years since then. And, they, you know, they do kind of wear out and then they have to go and reboot them, you know, re- put batteries mm-hmm. back in and stuff. So it's not the be all end all. But if they haven't gone any further when I'm her age. I'm definitely in the, in the queue. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So they won't do it on a young person. No, I love the fact that they think I'm too young. It's the only thing I, anybody's ever said to me about that in the last <laughs> nine years. I think, Oh, cool. I'm too young. Huh, but I wonder why that is. The big thing that happened this year was that you have dystonia and I do too. I have it in the bottom of my foot and I get these horrible Charlie horses that mm. where it just, and my foot curls under and I, it'll just take me down in the produce section at Safeway. And oh, it's, no. and I wrote about that a little bit in the book, but it's, it's bad, like really, really, really hurts. So finally, after months of that, my neurologist said, well, you qualify for these Botox in your feet. So they give me nine Botox injections about every I don't know, three months maybe. In your feet. Yeah. 
That doesn't yeah. hurt. <laughs> I just got Botox in my upper lid. Mm-hmm. So, um, because I have it in my face mm-hmm. and I, it, it's really only on the left-hand side. And the weird thing is I'm a public speaker. And so I was wearing sunglasses and I would just tell people at the beginning of every presentation, I'm like, look, I've got dystonia. It makes my face grimace and it's just weird. So I'm going to wear these sunglasses. (laughs) You know, it's funny that what we do when we're public speakers, because so am I. I do um, a lot of public speaking presentations for both books. And the one that's not for Parkinson's, the one that's just for women's aging humor, midlife humor. I always say at the beginning, one of the things about my Parkinson's meds is that it shuts my brain off for a flash every now and then. And I'll forget the next word I'm going to say, even if it's like table. So it, it, it's just gone. I do that. I do that and I don't have Parkinson's. Yeah, it's just this medication <laughs> just has given me short one word dementia. So I always say to them, here's the deal. If I'm in the middle of talking and I lose a word, I just put my hands up and make circles in the air and you guys all chime in. So Tell me the word. Tell me the word. And they do because I'll say, okay, now we're going to take a little uh, woohoo. And they'll say, and everybody right. will go break. <laughs> I'm thinking, you guys are good. But like you said, you have to laugh about it. You if you're have to laugh so, about it. yeah, if you're so weirded out about it. And, you know, it's weird when I went in to get my Botox, I, I kept joking to my friends, well, half my face is going to look all young and beautiful. And the other half is going to be all old because they're only going to do half of it. <laughs> but they didn't put it. And, and, you know, my dad, because he, he gets Botox for his eyes too. When he has the Botox, he can keep his eyes open when he, when it wears off, his eyes are shut mm-hmm. the entire time. And I thought they were going to put it above my eyebrow. And I have had Botox for cosmetic reasons. I've had it maybe three times in the last 10 years because I, you know, I yell at my dog, I yell at my bird, I yell at my husband. So I get these frown lines between my eyes. (laughs) It makes me look really mean. So every now and then I'll go and get the Botox and, and the neurologist is a lot more expensive than a med spa for Botox. You know, it's, like $1,800 versus $300, right? Mm-hmm. And so my friends are like, why are you going to a neurologist? Why don't you just go to a med spa? Yeah. And where they put the Botox was like right in the, you know where the bone is mm-hmm. above your eye? Mm-hmm. So it was right between that bone and the top lid. Wow. Not in a place where I would want mm-hmm. a, nothing against med spas, but they usually hurt me. Yeah. And I would not want a non-neurologist putting a needle in that little area of my eye and then also underneath my eye. Yeah, it's too close. In the really delicate areas. And the neurologist was so delicate and used much, I don't know, she must have used the teeniest needles mm-hmm. because it didn't hurt. So I don't know about your feet. That seems like it's even more sensitive than the eye area. It's, I think it's probably the same. It, when they do nine injections, by the eighth one, I'm getting ready to say, never mind. You know, so oh. like, you know, they book me at the end of the day because I'm screaming into the pillow, ah, because there's no anesthesia. They don't even use a topical anesthesia. They you're just kidding. Do it. Oh. And it hurts. And you're right. It's, it's you know, $1,800 every three months, whereas the Botox I get for that little angry thing between your eyes you were talking yes. about. That, yeah, that's, you know, three, four hundred bucks, maybe. But yeah, I'm not, I don't want somebody. That so could... I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that does that. No, but I said to my husband, I'm just not because he said the same thing. It's a lot cheaper up at the day spa. And I said, yes, I know. But she went to an afternoon class on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I want somebody that like is a real no, so doctor. Exactly. And, you know, um, when I was complaining about the cost, they said that the med spas also dilute the Botox. Oh, I'm sure they do because they, the strength they put in for dystonia, 
I mean, I'm, I get like 500 milligrams or something. He said, I can't, for my body weight, he's stunned at how much it takes to keep my feet from cramping like that. Oh, but, and I did I ask him one day, I said, while you're down there, do you have anything left over? <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, like, no. And you, and then he showed me the needle and said, you really want me to do the lines around your eyes? I said, God, no. Well, it was well, huge. I had a teeny tiny needle for mine. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's an elephant stopper. I mean, it's huge. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't even me. look at that. I would not even want to look at that needle Ooh, no. in my feet. Ouch. <laughs> I, I usually have my face buried in the pillow screaming, so I never do see the needle. Oh, that's awful. Well, you know what? The good news is it works mm-hmm. and you're not falling on the floor, you know, at the grocery store anymore. So, you know, you get to a point when you just don't care anymore. You just fix it. And that's where I was. I said, I can't have this. I'm a public speaker. And it would happen to me at any time of the day or night. There was oh, no. So I'd be standing there talking to somebody and I'd just go down. I said, you know, I'm too young to have this ahead of me forever. It, we, th- there has to be a solution. Now, does this last forever? Oh, you know, there's one other thing that I should tell you while we're talking and, and the listeners can, can listen in on this part. Um, because of what I do for a living, because this, this show is, I love doing it, but I don't make any money. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. And so what I do for a living, I talk to a lot of people who have medical conditions and things like that. So I was talking with somebody who I wasn't able to help and she told me that she had end-stage renal disease. I, I was trying to type in her name and phone number for an appointment, for a, a subsequent appointment, because I was going to try to see if I could help her. And I said, oh, give me a second here. I can't see. One of my eyes is shut because I have dystonia. And she said, you have dystonia? <laughs> I have dystonia. Or no, she said, I had dystonia. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, it was... It was um." It was a medication I was taking. Ooh. And I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah. And once they changed the medication, I don't have it anymore. And so it got me to thinking, mm. what medication has changed in the last couple of years? Because sometimes medications can take a while to make changes to your body, right? And it was a hormone patch that had mm. changed. It went from the brand name to a generic version. Wow. And so for three weeks before I actually got the first Botox injection... I was able to switch out my medications and I had already noticed a change. But since it had taken me two or three months to get the Botox approved and funded and all that through my insurance carrier, because I have a high deductible plan, so I wound up paying 100% of it anyway. I went ahead and went through with the Botox, but I believe that it was uh, part of the reason why I got it was because of this hormone patch that I took, wow. that I take. And so we're going to see what happens. I'm going to see if, you know, if I can not take, cause I'm completely off Valium now. Okay. I was taking, I was taking 15 milligrams of Valium to control the facial movements mm-hmm. in my face. And now that I've changed the patch and, and got the Botox, I haven't taken any Valium in the last week and a half, which is super cool. Cause I was yeah. really getting scared that I'm going to yeah. become an addict. Right. Yeah. So did they give you Valium for your feet when you when it first started happening? Um, they not, no, it wasn't part of my, my medication regimen. They, I was taking the carbidova levodopa stuff. And then, so it conflicts the, or something? Yeah, for the foot cramps, we were, I was taking rapinerol. The problem mm-hmm. I have with rapinerol is it gives me hallucinations. Oh, no. So, so I sort of had to decide which way I was going to go. And we were hoping that the, that the Botox would completely eliminate the rapinerol. But the best we could hope for is that we got it way down, the dosage way down, which oh, was nice. Great. But it has all these funky side effects and actually one of the chapters in the in the book about is about that is about the medications and 
and how crazy they, they can do. be and all the nutsy things that they do to you and, and things you would say, oh, I'm because I'm, I've always been the strong one in my family. I never got cold. I never got sick. I have no allergies. I've, I mean, I never got the flu. So to me, it was like, oh, people who take medication, Jesus, you know, suck it up. So God, now I'm lining my pills out like little soldiers on the table and putting them all in plastic oh. bags marked AM and PM. I feel like, it, you know, and when you're at a restaurant, you open up your little baggie and dump it. They're looking at you like, okay. She's, well, you know what? I have been saying the same thing. So I have developed a perfume allergy. When I was younger, I knew a woman who would actually go into anaphylactic shock, oh she said. And I used to wear Obsession and Opium. Mm. Do you, do you um, know those two perfumes? I love Opium. But I'd spray it in the air and I'd walk under mm-hmm. it. Okay. And so when she said that to me, I just kind of rolled my eyes. Oh, yeah, right. You just don't like the smell of perfume. So now, guess what? I'm allergic to perfume. And the church that I go to, because I am a church, I, you know, I do go to church. Mm-hmm. And the average age of my church is 85. Okay. So can you imagine <laughs> what it smells like in my church? <laughs> So I do believe that God said to me, excuse me, Kathy, you're going to make fun of people who are allergic to perfume. Mm. Zap. Now you're allergic to perfume. It's crossed my mind that there's a little (laughs) bit of karmic justice here because I was the first one to make fun of those people and said, like, God, take another pill. Why don't you? Exactly. And then I was making fun of my dad, not making fun, but I, I would say, dad, open your eyes. Dad, open your eyes. Dad, open your eyes. So then zap. Now all of a sudden I can't open my eye. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of nasty people and karma doesn't happen to them. So I'm thinking, I must have really screwed up. So anyway, I try not to make any noise about anybody's condition nope. ever again, because I don't want to wind up with God zapping me like, okay, you're going to say something about that zap. Now you have it. Take that. <laughs> Did you learn anything? Okay. Exactly. I know. I know. The book is divided into three sections so that people can, can understand kind of where I was going with it. The first third of it is the whole diagnosis issue and the doctors that I went to and, and all the craziness there. And then this, the middle of the book is the funny anecdotes. And that's just a fun section. It's just all the stupid things that have happened to me. That The one that everybody likes is I gave my husband a pole dance. It's been two days and he can't quit laughing. <laughs> so that's the one everybody likes. And oh then my gosh. the back third is kind of how it affected me and the, the community, how the, my friends in the community treat me differently, how it's affected my relationship with Kenny, all done on in a humorous note. At my expense, I never do humor at anybody else's expense, except maybe my hubs, but he's legally required to let me do that. So (laughs) most of the time, it's always about some dumb thing that I did that just, oh, well, because I want women and men to understand that that I'm not making light of it. The, The only negative comment I ever got on that book is a woman said, I don't think you understand the seriousness of this disease. I said, oh, I think I do. I have it. I have it. My mother has it. My grandmother had it. I think I got it. But I don't, you know, you've got two ways to go through life. You can find the funny in it or you can sit in the corner in the dark and, and pretend you don't have it. It's, it's not going anywhere. And a lot of us are diagnosed so early in life. It's way, way too early to give up. So, Is that true? Is it usually diagnosed early? No, but a lot of people are. It's usually diagnosed in men, for starters, in their 60s. So I was a bit of an anomaly, but given that my mother was diagnosed at 52, then that, you know, but I, I've heard you're, it's getting younger and younger. Like it is a lot of people are diagnosed now when they're like 45. I know that's the trend. So it's, it's kind of one of the things in my presentations that I say, I open with this a lot. The good news about Parkinson's is that 
it doesn't kill you. The bad news about Parkinson's is that it doesn't kill you. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have it for 20, 30, 40 years. You've got to learn to find the joy again. The joy in your life cannot be gone because of this stupid disease. So, you know, find the funny in it. And if they can start by laughing at me, then they can maybe look at their own situation and say, well, that was kind of goofy. You know, rather than (laughs) saying, oh, I'm so upset because I fell over trying to get into my Spanx. I mean, I would just say, oh, God, I'm on the floor like a beetle. Come and help me. I can't get my Spanx on. (laughs) My husband, up until I was diagnosed, had never seen me pee, had never seen me pluck anything, had never seen me shave a leg. I, you know, think you should have a little mystery. Well, Parkinson's (laughs) blew that right out of the water. He's seen it all now. I mean, he just—I said, "Come in and pick me up. I'm on my back, and I can't get out of my spanx." He says, "Okay." (laughs) He just kind of rolls with it, you know. (laughs) I have no dignity left in this house at all. Mm, Well, you know what? It's great that you have a husband that loves you. He's been a rock star. I gave him one opportunity to bail, and I said, "Okay, you didn't take it. It's never going to come up again." So (laughs) good for you. (laughs) Yeah, I had to make the offer. You know, I said. If you're, if you're going to run, run now. So. <laughs> I gave my husband a similar but not as serious offer when we got married. Yeah. I I have a, a parrot or a Moluccan cockatoo that I've had now for 25 years. Oh, my gosh. No, wait. What year is this? 26 years. And I told him, you have one opportunity if you want me to get rid of the bird. Mm-hmm. And I never made that offer to any of my previous boyfriends. I got married at an old age. I was 42. Okay. And, um, but I had several, you know, long-term relationships mm-hmm. and I had never given that offer to anybody before. <laughs> and he declined and I think he's regretting it now. Yeah, well, I don't know if my husband's <laughs> regretting it or not. He might be. I know there are days when he does. I could have mm-hmm. ran. So, oh, well, too late. Did you have any kind of plan in place for this contingency if you had seen your mom go through it? No. Or did you just think, no, nothing, no I've, uh, insurance the, no, or anything? Nothing. I mean, one of the things that makes me go through life so easily is I just ignore everything I don't like. So, <laughs> it never even dawned on me that I'd get Parkinson's. I was, like I say, Kathy, I was the healthy one. My sister is this tiny little size two thing that gets everything. And my brother's not a whole lot better. I mean, I was like the sturdy, sturdy puppy in the litter. Mm-hmm. So if any of us were going to get Parkinson's, it, I would have thought it would have been them. But they're saying thank you very much because statistically now it's in their favor that they won't. Oh, so I, I said, <laughs> like, thanks for taking not it for like us, you guys, the team. Yeah, not like you guys need to buy me a car or anything, but that would be nice. <laughs> so I just reduced your odds by a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I think they were everybody was surprised it was me. If it had to be one of the kids, you know. Did you tell your family? How long was it before you told them? Oh, about the same length of time. I mean, they all knew, but nobody, I was like that older woman that that girl wrote about. I, it was just not going to happen. I just kept saying, nope, nope. I don't, I, I hurt myself at the gym and I pinched a nerve and that's what's causing the tremor and shut up. And they knew before you did, really? Well, my stepdad of 45 years is a doctor. Yeah, he knew. Oh, okay. Yeah. My dad had what I call the Parkinson's stare, where there's kind of a blank stare and he was talking to us, but looking past us. Mm. And he had that for a long time, like maybe 10 years before he was diagnosed. And his hands didn't tremor, but his leg did. And I just took into account, I thought it was just because he was antsy. I can't sit still. And so my husband will always touch my leg and say, do you got, (laughs) what's that? 
restless leg syndrome. And I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, burning calories. (laughs) I'm exercising. Exactly. So I thought my dad was kind of doing the same thing, but then he started, his leg would go like thumper and the table would get moved, you know, that kind of thing. A little while later, they, they sat us down and said, your dad has Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So did you have that kind of thing or it was strictly the tremors? Well, you know, that's interesting because one of my good friends, um, a gentleman was was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he had what your dad had. It was in his facial expressions, in his eyes and in his gait. It was a kind of a slowed, methodical gait that right. he, it looked like he was having to really think about it like a heart attack or a stroke patient would do. He, and he never had the tremor. The tremor was all I had until the dystonia of the foot, but it was the only, it was the only thing I had, but I, it was really visible and present. Because oh. because at the time I wasn't medicated, so right. and if I got cold or upset, it would oh my god I look like Flipper. I mean it would just be going. <laughs> and so I told my husband I said this takes all the sport out of when he says is something wrong, and I say no everything's fine. He looks at and my arm shaking. and says I don't think so. so like, yeah, you can't play poker anymore. No, I have no poker face. <laughs> it looks like somebody stuck a quarter in my arm. You know. It's like, <laughs> So no, I, so uh, my goal was to reduce that sign. Cause as you know, I mean, you're public speaking and you're standing up. I don't get nervous when I public speak. I've been doing it too long, but I get adrenaline rush and that would just make it, my hand go crazy. And I'm thinking I can't stand up there while I'm banging on the podium with my hand. So (laughs) I wanted to, to take the symptoms down. I realized that they couldn't cure it, but toppling over while you're getting dressed and in the shower and all that stuff is silly and doesn't need to be. They've got, they've got things for that. Well, that's good. I'm glad because my dad, he's pretty short. So he's never, I don't think he's ever been significantly injured, mm-hmm. but he falls many, 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 many times a day. And um, the last time we went to visit him in Florida, we stayed in the, um, they have a mobile home that they, they, they just bought, they just bought another place, but they, they didn't have that at the time. And they were going back and forth between Alaska and Florida. And so we were in Florida and we were in a mobile home and mobile homes shake a lot more than a regular house. And maybe five or six times a day, we would hear thud and it would be my dad falling. And I was so afraid for him because of the fact that he fell so much Mm -hmm. and he broke his walker because he fell on it. You know, he falls backwards. So the walker doesn't really help him when he falls uh the wrong direction. But yeah, he fell so many times. So is that pretty typical of people with Parkinson's? Yeah, we, you know, we just, we get real balance issues. You know, it's, my husband is a contractor and he's locked up every ladder in the house. I can't get up to the second, <laughs> second shelf in the kitchen because I'm 5'2". One time I had to get up to do something, get a change a light bulb or something. I don't know what it was. Because I don't have any ladders, I pulled the chair out. I'm standing oh, no. on this chair and I'm unscrewing this light bulb. And my husband walked in the door and he just flipped. He said, he always calls, what are you doing? He always calls me woman when he's really upset. He's like, what are you doing up there, woman trying to kill me? Because if I have to move the chairs, I will. I said, just oh, no. I was just trying to change the light bulb. And he just says, I, it just strokes him out. So for the like, first, you're not allowed. Exactly. You're not allowed. <laughs> for the first couple of years after I was diagnosed, he didn't travel at all. And he, go, he usually goes on a, one golf trip a year and one fishing trip a year and that kind of stuff with his guy friends. And, he just was afraid to leave me by myself because he said, you're going to do something stupid. I'm going to be across the state. And God, I said, you know, it's not like I want to hurt myself. And he says, I don't care. I'm staying home and I'm watching you. Oh, no. <laughs> it took me years to get him to just, I said, just go. My parents live right up the street. They'll check on me twice a day. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. That's nice that your parents live close. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's it's been great because I think mom and I have been really good for each other. Mm, and so you're like a mini support group for each yeah, other. Yeah. That's nice. Now, you said you lived in a small town. Mm-hmm. So are there support groups, not just you and your mom in the small town? I, or well, is that- there is, there's one about 20 minutes away, but I don't like those groups. They don't work for me because I don't want to sit around. You know what I don't like about them is they sit around in a circle and rehash all the bad things things over and over and over and over again. And I'm thinking we're not making any progress here, people. I mean, just, I wasn't sure they wanted me there anyway, because I'd be cracking jokes the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So the therapists don't steer steer them towards the good. They they let them just talk about that. They let them kind of wallow in it because, you know, Oh, Mm -hmm. we have a new person today and tell us your story. And she's all sobbing and bawling and hysterical. And, and I understand that for her. But we get to relive the diagnosis over and over and over again. It's, I see. And I just, that's just not how I roll. You know, I want to move on. Okay. And I totally get that. So I'm not really a joiner. Well, you know, even if you were there, are, like for me, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like to, I'll give you an example. I'll get really mad at somebody mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm done being mad, I'm done. And I've, I actually will forget mm-hmm. what it was unless they bring it up. Yeah. And so I like to forget the bad things and just focus on the good things. Mm-hmm. And so I totally get it, Vicki. You don't want to wallow around in your pain because then you'll never be able Move to on. get out of it. Right. I mean, Hubs and I have a have a rule about marital fighting. And it's the first person that can make the other person laugh wins. So, <laughs> and our fights are just totally irreverent. I mean, it's like no holes barred. And then once somebody will start giggling and laughing and the other one just says, don't do that. And then they're starting laughing. And, you know, to me, laughter is the Holy Grail because it it strengthens the immune system and it makes you feel better and it makes you more fun to be around. And if if you can laugh at something, you take its power away. Exactly. That's how I feel about laughter and Parkinson's. It's I tell my silly stories about trying to pole dance with Parkinson's with (laughs) my husband says, I cannot believe what you put in that book. And I said, well, I don't care. I mean, they're going to think I'm a total goofball, but that's okay. They have to start somewhere. So I just tell my little stories and I cannot wait to read your book. I am going to buy a copy. I have to, you know, admit I have not read it yet. So I am going to buy a copy. Thank you. So where can we find a copy of your book? Amazon.com is the easy or Barnes and Noble. Okay. I'll post a link to it as well on my website. And I I am an Amazon affiliate. So if anybody uses my link, I'll make like 20 cents. I don't know what it is. And they can. uh, (laughs) Oh, good. Dinner. Well, they can um, get it on paperback or Kindle. The paperback version is prettier. But okay. just and, and I don't make any more money either way, so there's no motivation other than the paperback. It's high gloss and it's real colorful and it's just pretty, pretty, pretty. Um, oh, okay. But the Kindle version obviously is there too, and it's like three ninety nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, is there any other way that they can do? You, do you have a blog that I people do. can listen to? They can come on to my my website, which is laugh-lines.net. and they can order it from me if they want an autographed copy. I just charge for the book and shipping. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's laugh-lines.net. Yes. You don't want to just say laugh lines, otherwise you won't get to her. You'll get a New York comedy club. So yeah, we don't want that. No. So we want the hyphen. Mm-hmm. And then any other ways to contact you or is it just the website? The website's the easiest. It's the fastest. It's the one I address the most. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Now, one more thing that I wanted to say before we end the show, and that is, I'm sure you've been told this before, but don't you think it's funny that laugh is in your name? Claflin. No, no, I've never. No, I like it. I'm going to use that. 
still going on my next book cover. <laughs> so Vicki Claflin, thank you so much for being on the show. You have been a delight with a serious subject that you have lightened up for me and my family. So thank you so much. For my listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Are you buried in information regarding Medicare health insurance? Have you gotten a four-inch stack of mail regarding Medicare? Do you wish that you could find an experienced agent who works with multiple companies to assist you or your loved one? You're in luck. Medicare Quick starts each prospective client with a 20-minute informational webinar that describes the difference between Medicare Advantage plans and Medicare Insurance Supplement plans. Then, after you understand what type of plan matches your lifestyle, we help you decide which company suits your individual needs. Call 866-445-6683 for more information or go to the website medicarequick.com. Mention the word rock and we'll send you a cool stylus pen just for calling. Medicare Quick is not connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and prescription drug plan service areas vary. California license number 0797566.